fundamental truth here in our biblical foundation series that we've been preaching here on Wednesday nights and we were talking on water baptism, why water baptism and why do we believe in baptism and so not only are we saying why do we believe but as we've been answering these questions we have been saying so what do we believe, why do we do things and and uh, what is the basis as to why that we believe them or, or don't? Um, and so we have been making this statement and drawing our attention to the truths. We've been talking, we started with all have sinned and we covered through the basis of that. And uh, we have dealt with salvation and we have worked through aspects of salvation, what it is to be saved, what happens in our lives when we're saved. And, what, what, is, what does it mean when we're talking that we're born again? And so we are here looking on the subject of baptism. So if you were with us last Wednesday, uh, we had left off uh, at a place when we were talking about in Scripture, uh, there uh, was a distinction between John's baptism and then the baptism uh, by which Christ commanded in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, uh, that uh, had told his disciples to go to preach and to baptize, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so we were dealing with uh, the basics of uh, baptism, and we were uh, talking about some of the facts in regards to that. So we'll touch base on a couple of, of those things, but I won't spend a lot of time there. If you did not hear that message or if you want to go back to last Wednesday and you'll hear the first half of what we have covered. And so we're going to be dealing here with, uh, with this second part and then we will have a third part as well uh, before we move on from the subject of baptism. And so anyway, we're going to look here. And so uh, we are uh, looking at a particular place and we are going tonight, if I can, we're going to be talking about the fact that we know that Christ was baptized by John in the Jordan. And so as a result of that, there were things that came to pass. Christ said, I must, I need to be, this needs to happen so that things are fulfilled. And so Christ set the example and precedence for us to be baptized. We see that as a result of Christ being baptized, this was further testament of the fact that he indeed was the promised Messiah. He was Christ. And we were talking about what John had said and what he had seen and what was represented at Christ's baptism. John, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. When he comes and is baptized, we find when Christ comes out of the water, the heavens are open. And the voice of God the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father represented Christ the Son having been baptized and God the Holy Ghost descending like a dove out of heaven and lighting upon Christ. John testified and said when these things would be transpired that, that the, he would be shown that, that, that these would be testaments of the fact that this indeed was he who would take away the sins of the world. And he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but the one that comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so we've been looking, we were looking at some of those things, but again, I don't have time to go into all the things we covered last Wednesday. If you missed it or you want to revisit it, go back and you can listen to last Wednesday's service. So we're going to talk tonight uh, about some of this here, picking up on this and uh, how uh, we look in God's Word to know not only was it exemplified by Christ, but it was practiced by the apostles, by the early church. But I want you to see, we're going to start here, and with the Lord's help, we're going to just see where all of this holds hands together, and it marries in together, and uh, we see this layout in scripture. I'm going to do a little bit of reading, but I will read quickly and uh, but you can earmark this and you can go back and look over some of this yourself, but we're going to cover a lot of scripture tonight. But John chapter 3 verse 22, if you're there with me, would you say amen? The Bible says, "After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, 
And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Enon near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, they're talking about Jesus, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same that baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear witness that I said. I want you to catch these words here. John's telling them. He said, I told you I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. No man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath said to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. This was reference again that he had received. He had the spirit, the Holy Ghost. Christ did. He had it without measure. And it goes on to say, For the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. And so we're going to pray tonight, and we're going to take a look at some of these things and unpack the subject of baptism here a little bit further. Father, I thank you once again for your faithfulness, and I thank you tonight for your word. And Lord, as we break the bread of life together tonight, give us, I pray, ears to hear and hearts to receive and understand. I pray as your word inclines to us and or, or uh, tells us, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. And Lord, I pray, let our ears be open. Let my mind and lips preach with clarity. Help me, Lord, as we look to preach and to teach from your word. Lord, hide me, I pray, behind the cross. Help us, I pray, tonight as we further understand. And as we understand, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Lord, as we grow in knowledge by your word, our faith being increased. And we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brother Chad Turnage, would you help me? Would you grab that black podium right there, that metal podium, and just put it down here because I'm going to be a little bit back and forth and I may just land right down there. You can be seated. God bless you. And so uh, tonight what I want you to understand is that uh, where we had left off, we were talking about some of the things. And again, I'm going to highlight a few of these things here very quickly But for further uh, explanation and expounding on the subject, you can go back to last Wednesday night. We were talking about some of the things of what baptism is not. And so what we were covering is, is that there are some things because water baptism is one of those subjects and practices that's within the church. When I say the church, speaking on a church uh, setting. That, that encompassing different denominations and belief systems and things of that nature. But there are denominations, there are teachings that happen in churches. And it is, it is teaching that is in error. I will be very clear in saying that. It is in error. It is not correct. And in stating that water baptism uh, is that it is necessary for salvation. We talked about that last week. 
uh, also that it takes away uh, the sin nature of man or the original sin. Uh, and that also is that uh, speaking in this especially in pertaining to why there are places that will do infant baptisms, baptizing young children, newborn babies, is the fact that they believe that it makes them uh, a child of God and therefore solidifies a place for them in heaven. So therefore we find that there is a lot of teaching that is an error that associates the fact that water baptism brings about salvation or that water baptism washes away your sin or that water baptism is something that gives you a seal of approval so that way you can make heaven and have rights to heaven uh, for eternal life. And we were talking last week that these, these teachings are in error because we asked the question, what can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so what is necessary for salvation? The blood of Christ. Amen. That cleanses us and washes us of our sins. Coming to Christ. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We have seen that within a denomination, within church world settings, or preachers, denominations, movements, however you want to describe it, there has been a lot of things that have been attached to uh, salvation as in this must be done or this is a prerequisite or this is something you have to go through. This is a formality, a hoop, a uh, something to put off the checklist so that you can be saved. Isn't it something how we in our humanity, we love to complicate things and it does not give us very long to make a mess of something and to complicate it. I've said that in preaching these things, I am not coming to you as if, as if you do not know or as, if, or as if you are ignorant on this subject. But I will say this, I'm not going to apologize for touching on these things and teaching on these things because, as we have been saying, I will never, ever assume that people that are sitting even in this church... That we have always a clear understanding of what we believe and why we do believe it. Why do we practice certain things? Last week I said that the things that we often fear and that we don't participate in are mainly things that we don't understand. And so there are oftentimes people that have been told all kinds of different things. They have been misinformed. They have been uh, uh, instructed in a wrong way. And there are some that have given up and they have said, well, I'm not going to do this or this. I'm, I, I don't want to, because of fear, they've been told so much. They don't want to do something wrong. And, and what I mean by that, I shared with you an example. There was a lady who, who had wanted to be baptized, but she said, I'm not going to get baptized. She said, because I'm afraid I'm going to do something wrong. I've been told all kinds of things about water baptism. And so it was just a matter of somebody sitting down and talking, sharing the truth. And what do you mean by sharing the truth? Because there are people that will share with you their opinions and present it as truth. Amen, Brother Jake. There are people that will tell you opinions and present it as truth. But we've got to always, the truth or what we are being told, how do we know it's the truth? We back it up and compare it to, and it better be in line with the Word of God. And so, therefore, on these biblical foundations, on these scriptural truths, on these fundamental doctrines, we come to find is that we are not going to propose something that, well, this is just how Victory Temple feels about it. Everything that we are sharing, everything that we are proclaiming, this is Bible. And like I said, I've encouraged, if you've got a notebook or whatever, bring it with you. Because there's going to be things I'm just going to rattle off and go down and touch on Scripture. But it is there, and you can look it up, and you can read it for yourself. 
But we have a lot of people confused. And a baptism is one of those situations. It is an argued and a divisive sub uh, subject within the church. And sadly, there are those that stay away from it because they don't know, they're not for sure what they've been taught or told. And so in regards to this, we were looking at the things of why we baptize and understanding that water baptism, I've said these things already, there's nothing magical in the water. The water doesn't wash our sin away. The water does not uh, guarantee us a place in heaven. But to be baptized is to follow in obedience the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was baptized. When we found in Matthew 28, and I'll go back can read this very familiar verse Matthew 28 and 19 we find this is established as an ordinance of the church and what is meant by an ordinance is because it was a command of Christ how is this a command of Christ Matthew 28 and 19 go you therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things. Listen to what he said. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let me just touch on two more things very quickly from last week. We also solidified and seen through Scripture as a result of the fact that when we are born again, and there is opportunity to be baptized, Again, we establish the fact, baptism does not wash your sin away. That is the blood of Jesus. That is coming to salvation through Christ. And if you have the ability, if it is opportunity, if it is within your power to do so, should you be baptized? Yes. Yes, you should. It is a command of Christ, just as I was reading. However, if someone is not baptized... If someone is born again and they are not baptized, are they disqualified from heaven? No. We find an example of that. The thief on the cross. This is a most referenced example of such. He had no opportunity, Brother Jimmy, to join a church. He had no opportunity to go to the synagogue. He had no opportunity to be baptized. He had none of these opportunities. But he had asked Christ while dying on that cross, he said, Would you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And Christ told him, he said, This day you will be with me in paradise. I have shared the example last week as well. The uh, examples of the fact that there have been those who have accepted Christ on their deathbed. And due to illness, due to situations, they could not be baptized. And so therefore, were they then disqualified? No. Because again, baptism does not guarantee salvation. You can be baptized 20 times. You could have membership to 100 churches. You could sing on every platform in, in the Golden Triangle. You can know every preacher in town. You could have paid tithes since the time you first got your first paying job. None of those things save you. Are we to pay our tithe? Yes. Are we to serve the best that we can or where we can in the kingdom or in help? In our, yes. All of these things. But you see, we get to the point where we are so uh, focused, hyper-focused on this, 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 and this. And therefore, we are having a crisis in the church in the fact that there are too many times that there are people who are looking to be born again. They need hope. They need forgiveness. They need the grace of God. But they have been told all of the other things that they must do in order to be qualified to make heaven. And therefore, they are leaving disappointed. They are leaving without right teaching. They are leaving without this. Christ said here in Matthew 28, he said, go. And then, Sister Torbert, he said, teach. Go and teach them and baptize them. Amen. And he said, in doing so, in doing this, he said, this is a command to, to do all the things that I have told you to do. And so if you have the ability and the power to do so, yes, be baptized. Be baptized. But we're understanding the why. Why we are so. So Christ's example. 
We were talking uh, just a little bit before we closed last Wednesday of the fact that Scripture gives us that there is a distinction between John's baptism. Well, who, who in the world is John? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ. He had come. He was six months older than Christ. We find Elizabeth, his mother, Zacharias, his father. And we find as to where when he was in the womb and uh, Mary came to Elizabeth's house, when Mary stepped into the room, uh, John uh, in the womb recognized when the Messiah was in the room. And the Bible says that he leapt uh, inside of Elizabeth's belly, inside of her womb. And in that instance, Elizabeth and John were filled with the Holy Ghost. Elizabeth begins to prophesy, and Mary begins to prophesy. And I said that this, I, and it's apparent that over time and uh, time and separation and distance, uh, we find that it had been some time that John had been around uh, Jesus. Maybe in the fact there are some Bible commentators that would believe that. This particular occurrence as babes in the womb were the first time that they were in proximity together. And then again when John is baptizing in the Jordan and John looks and says, Behold the Lamb of God. I was saying last Wednesday night that same feeling that John had when he was in his mama's womb. And he leapt because he could sense the Messiah. I believe that same thing as he looked out as Christ was coming and when he declared and said behold the Lamb of God his spirit bared witness the Holy Ghost of God bared witness amen with the Son of God well how do you know that brother Jacob well Christ later said if you have seen me you have seen the Father and he said and when the Comforter comes he will testify of me amen and God the Holy Ghost living inside of John verified of the fact and said that's my son and he said behold the Lamb of God and then we find again as to where the triune Godhead God the Father, God the Son God the Holy Ghost were represented that day in the Jordan as Christ was baptized out of obedience and also confirming the fact that he was indeed the Son of God and so as we look at this, it's important that you hear that because we're going to bring up a couple other things that will marry all of this together. So John's baptism, it was referred to the fact that there was a distinction and referred to in the Word of God, and we had shared out of, out of the Gospels as to where it was talked about John's baptism. It was a baptism of repentance. You have to understand, Christ had not went to the cross. He had not given His life for our sins at this point in time. And so when it says that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, he was preaching to those people, preaching for them, that they would search their hearts, that they would get, if I can paraphrase, to get right with God. But what did that mean? He was appealing to them to become broken and contrite, to recognize their sin, to recognize where they had fallen short, to recognize that they had offended God, they had broken God's laws, these things. But they were still, there was no means of salvation except for that which was asked of God still at that time of sacrifices and bloodshed by way of the sacrifices in the temple. And so therefore, when it says that it was a baptism of repentance, this is where we find this distinction. Christ had not yet died. And so this was a, this was a um, testimony of those that were baptized by John. This was a testimony of them, a public statement, if you will, of the fact that as they were baptized, it was an identifying marker. That they had, that they were repenting, that they, that they, that their hearts were in remorse for sin and a desire to be right with God and an open acknowledgement of sin and a testimony of a public decision to be in right standing with God. John was the forerunner. He was making the way for Christ. I use the example. He was like that farmer with the plow. He was breaking up the fallow ground of the hearts of heart, hardened hearts of humanity so that when the word came we find that John 
John the disciple when he wrote he said he said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he said this he said and we handled the word of God we handled him we put our hands on him we knew him and uh, when we look at this what you understand is that that fallow ground of man's hearts was being broken up by John the Baptist's message so that men could be ready to receive, ready to receive and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here is, here is the statements. I want you to understand is what the text that we're reading from, why, I, I, why I'm starting here, and, and please forgive me, if uh, you're saying, well, this is a little more than we bargained for. You're, you're talking about baptism. We're out here deep, preacher. So you're just going to have to throw us, uh, throw us a lifeline every now and again. And so uh, please bear with me. We're going to, I promise you, we're going to get to this. Uh, we find here is that Jesus and his disciples are in Judea. And they are tearing there. And baptism is taking place. John is also baptizing in another place and the Bible says because at this point John was not yet thrown into prison we know that when John go, John the Baptist goes into prison he is going to be beheaded he's going to be executed and so before he goes into the prison he is still doing what God had called him to do right he's preaching he's baptizing and so there were some of John's disciples who come to him and some of the Jews and they said did you know that the one who, you, who was with you there beyond Jordan, who you gave testimony of, who you bear witness of, did you know they're over there baptizing as well? Did you know this is going on? And so let me first start, stop right here and just tell you is that as long as there has been humanity, we have these, this, this thing inside of us as to where we, we, we kind of choose our sides and we're very loyal to our sides. We're very loyal to our opinions and our, and our particular group of people. Well, John had disciples. There were, there were those who followed John and, and, and helped John and all of these different types of things. They listened to his preaching. They, they were there and, and, and they followed after him. And so as he was teaching, he, that he had disciples. But now we find the disciples are a little bit concerned. They're a little bit confused. And they said, hey, did you know that that guy you baptized, do you know that he's out, he's out there, there's baptism going on? In other words, they're saying, are you okay with this? Is this okay? Is this how it's supposed to be? Is this all kosher? Is it, I mean, is it all like it's, you know, do you have a problem with this? And so John then testifies and he says, look, he said, and I'm paraphrasing some things that John said here. He said, I'm of the earth. He said, but he is from above. And he that is from above is above all things. John is in essence is saying, remember what I told you. He said, I'm not even worthy to loosen the latchet on his shoes. He said, my baptism, it, it begins and ends with water. But he's going to be able to baptize you with something even greater. And that which is greater is, is the third, blessed third person of the Trinity. And that said, he said, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said the Father has given him these things. The Father loves him and has given him all of these things. And whosoever would believe upon him shall have everlasting life. John said he is the bridegroom. And he said I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. And he said I'm just that friend that when I hear the bridegroom's voice I rejoice. And he said I've heard his voice. And John could also also testify and say I've seen his face and my spirit testifies he is a son of God and he said therefore my joy is fulfilled but I love that John was telling them he said fellas if you think I'm nervous if you think that my feelings are hurt let me set the record straight he must increase and I must decrease he is above all he is in all he is Lord of all he he is a Messiah. Hallelujah. This is what John is telling them. He said this whole stuff about sides and who's who or whatever the case might be. He said this is fine and this is right. 
And so in regards to this, we find that baptism was being practiced by the apostles. Now, I want to direct your attention to something here because in this particular verse that I read, it might lead you to believe that Jesus was baptizing as well. However, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 2 tell us a different story. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. See, his disciples, not only were they wanting to make sure it was okay, but they're saying, you know what, John, he's got a bigger crowd than we do. He's got more people showing up over there than we do. And that's where John was setting the record straight. He's the Messiah. He's the one I've been preaching about. He's the one that's, you don't worry about that. But you'll find here, it says, and baptized more disciples than John. This is in parentheses. In the King James Version, it says, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. And so this tells us and shows us that it was not Jesus who was baptizing. Jesus was there in Judea. Jesus was there tearing. And Jesus was there teaching and preaching and ministering. But disciples were doing the baptizing. And so in regards to this, I want you to understand this lays the foundation for the fact that why do we baptize not only out of Christ's command of the fact and the example that he set, but also because he told those apostles to go and teach and to baptize. And we find throughout scripture that the disciples at times they were privy to do certain uh, things of the ministry, to baptize like we see here in scripture, to uh, cast out devils to go and to preach, we find on different occasions Christ would send them out. They would be empowered uh, temporarily by the Spirit of God in order to do these things. And so in this, I want you to understand uh, here that this has been practiced by the apostles and the early church. We find, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Paul, and I want you to notice that what he says here, that you speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. Now, let me stop right there because we find here that we find the disciples of John, they're concerned. He's got more people. He's ba there's baptism going on, and there's a bigger crowd where he's at. What, Brother Michael, does this give opportunity for? It gives opportunity for people to pick and choose sides and to be divided. John nipped it in the bud. John said, hey, he is, he is the one who's been sent from the Father. This is the one we've been looking for and waiting for. And so John was making sure, don't, don't try to divide. Don't try to separate. He is the one I've been telling you about. And I'm going somewhere with this, so please be patient. He says, Paul later here in 1 Corinthians, he said, don't let there be divisions among you but that you are perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith. So Paul is dealing with a divided group of people, and here's what they were saying. Some said, I am of Paul. Others said, I am of Apollos. Others said, I am of Cephas. Others said, I am of Christ. These, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say to every one of you that say, I am of Paul, Apollo, Cephas, Christ. He said, is Christ divided? He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? These are questions Paul's asking. Listen, he said, I thank God I baptized none of you. He said, I'm glad I didn't baptize a one of you. He said, y'all are causing so much trouble because you're walking around and you're saying you belong to this one and you belong to that one and you belong to this one. Amen. He said, don't let there be contentions. He said, Christ is not divided. He said, I didn't baptize a one of you. He said, I'm glad that I didn't. He said, however, I did baptize Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, 
I know not whether I baptized any other. He said, I baptized these, and these are who I know that I baptized. And so in this, he said this. Listen, and some would say, well, it sounds like Paul's being a little bit rebellious. No, Paul is preaching priority. Here, listen what he says. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So let me reiterate something here. I told you we're going to marry all of this together. Paul was saying these divisions, you're saying you're baptized in this name. You're saying this one's your leader. You're saying that one's your leader. This one's your man. That one's your man. He said Christ is not divided. He said as a matter of fact, he said when he makes a statement, he said Christ did not send me to baptize. We know Paul baptized. He admitted to it. He had baptized four to six people. But Brother Torbert, what he was saying, he said, let's make the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? He said, the main thing, he said, I came to preach the cross. I came to preach Christ crucified. He said, that's what's going to bring you eternal life. That's what's going to save a soul. That's what's going to make a difference. He said, therefore, quit squabbling over who baptized who and under whose name it's all been done under. He said, Paul didn't die for you. Paul can't baptize you in his name. He said, this is in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Could somebody say amen? amen. Are you still awake? Say amen. amen. Okay, some of you might be lying, but we got altars for that. Amen. So, here's what I want you to, here's something I want to touch on. I've got about five minutes. I want you to understand, how do we baptize? Okay, we're talking about why we baptize, but there is a lot of division and argument about how do you baptize. Thus, this is the reason why I covered some of these things. Because early on, there was divisions and schemes and people trying to choose sides. Okay, so listen. We find that there was this precedence that was being set. It was, it was established while Christ was still on earth. These disciples confused. These disciples trying to choose a side. A precedence was being set in whose baptism or authority of name. Especially after his death and resurrection. So let me direct your attention to Acts chapter 19. Well, actually, I'm going to back up. Acts chapter 2, 36 through 38. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus. This is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. He says that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and unto the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren... What shall we do? This is the same question, if you will, that was being proposed by the Philippian jailer when he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Their hearts are pricked. They are convicted. And so, Brother Gary, they said, What must we do? And this is what Peter said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to be very clear about something on the subject of how do we baptize. And we're going to look right here at God's Word. So I want everybody to pay attention and zero in. Because there are especially other Pentecostal denominations. Okay? United Pentecost, the Oneness Doctrine, Jesus Only. There's different names that's been assigned. There is teaching that says you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay? You must be baptized in Jesus' name. And you must be filled with the Holy Ghost. These are two teachings that are requirements of them that you, in order for you to make heaven. Okay? Now, this is my thought. When there is... We know baptism 
we've already established, if you have opportunity and can, be baptized. We want, we preach, we teach, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a subsequent experience after one is born again. If there is teaching that centers around baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost only and you neglect a Passover, there's danger in that. You cannot have Pentecost without the Passover. You cannot have Pentecost with first the blood being applied. Now let me say this because this is where there's a lot of division and there's a lot of question. And the questions even come up in, in Pentecostal churches that believe in the Trinity. Okay, well, do we, do we baptize in Jesus' name? Do we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? Well, let's go back. What did Matthew 28, 19, and 20 tell us? Baptizing them how? What did it say? Somebody tell me. In the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, if you will read Acts chapter 2, and I would just, I would just be reading all night if I read everything that I've got referenced to in my notes. Go back and read Acts chapter 2 and start reading when Peter starts preaching his message. You will find, and I, matter of fact, that's why I included Acts 2 and 37 before I got to Acts 2 and 38. is because it said that he has, speaking of God the Father, that he had, I, I had this podium down here to put my notes down here, but I haven't brought my iPad there. Anyway, we find it says, he says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified. Already there's distinction right there. Already there's reference to God the Father and God the Son. And so what Peter is saying when he tells them to be baptized, to, re to repent, to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus... This goes back to the fact that the precedence had been set. Everybody was squabbling over whose name have you been baptized in. There were people saying, well, I was baptized in John's baptism. Paul was dealing with people saying, well, I belong to Apollos. I belong to this one. I belong to that one. That's when Paul said, none of those men died for you. None of those, none of those people. He said, Christ is not divided. So here's what you have to understand. The teaching of being baptized in Jesus' name is also, it is being taught as a rejection of the triune Godhead. Okay? So when it is taught that it's Jesus only, they reject the teaching of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So you have to understand that this is very dangerous territory to be involved in. This is something that is not right teaching. And, and I, I promise you, say, Brother Jacob, you're being awful bold about what you're saying. I promise you, if you were attending one of their services, they would be just as bold about our stance. Right? They surely would. Because here's what would happen. If Brother Torbert were to go in there and, and be in a, in a service, and, uh, and let, I'll just put this out there. We have family members. I know they have family members. I love them to pieces. I hug their necks. I, I, I pray for them and all of those things. But they have, we have been outright told that our baptism is of no validation. We have been outright told because it was not in the format by which they teach and say that we're not even going to make heaven. Understand? Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? So, I want you to understand. I want you to understand something. This is why we preach and teach God's Word. Because you can go into a building and you can have singing that can lift the roof off. You can have preaching that would that, that'd make the hair on your neck stand up. You can have all of the things. But I'm going to tell you right now, 
If you don't have the truth, then you don't have anything. We need all of the gospel. We need to be aware of all of it. And here's what I'm telling you. I've had folks that have been, and they have been in services as such, or been around folks as such. And I'm not, I'm not like I said, I love them to pieces. I know there's some people, some of the best people I know who's out of some of those churches and out of some of those things. And I, let me tell you this, though, is that they are very dogmatic on the fact that we cannot enter into heaven because we apparently have it all wrong. But I want you to understand that in any instance when the scripture talks about being baptized in Jesus' name, it is not to reject the triune Godhead. And it is not to say it must be done this way so that you might be uh, uh, make heaven. It is the fact that they were establishing the fact over and over it is in the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so in this, I want you to understand, I've went over my five minutes. Is that okay? How about five more? Somebody's getting real nervous. It's like one brother said, you know what it says when they say I'm about getting ready to close. It means nothing. It means nothing. Okay? All right. So listen. So we find in Acts chapter 2 where a lot of these particular churches hinge all of their doctrine around. What they, are, what they are not seeing is in the fact if you read the whole context of the scripture, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost are all exemplified and represented in that Acts chapter 2. Read Peter's sermon. Read and see that, these, that God the Father, God the Son are represented. And then he said, and as a result of this, because they said, what must we do? Because if you go up and read, they were marveled. They were amazed about what was going on. These men are speaking in tongues, and it wasn't just the fact that they're speaking in tongues, but they are declaring the wondrous works of God in their languages. And they said, aren't these unlearned men? Aren't these just Galileans? Aren't they, uh, how in the world is this going on? And so, they were, and so Peter, being full of the Holy Ghost, stands up, and he preaches. Listen to this. He didn't preach a quote-unquote what we might think as a Holy Ghost message. What do you mean, Brother Jacob? Because he didn't preach something that centered around speaking in tongues or centered around this. What did he do? He preached Christ and Christ crucified. And Christ and Christ crucified led them when they said, what do we, what do we need to do? He said, in essence, he said, you've got to repent. You've got to have the remission of sins. He said, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remissions of those sins. And he said, and then be, then be filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, what we have. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, you can receive it. He said, but there is a right way to receive it. Amen. And so in this, we find the Godhead is represented. We find in Acts 19, 3 through 5. And he said unto them, unto then, what, what then were you baptized? And they said unto them, John's baptism. Again, Brother Tobin, they're bringing up the fact, well, we were baptized under John's baptism. This is what Paul said. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. There's that phrase again. Saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. Okay? Putting that in layman's terms, he's saying that they should believe on Jesus Christ who comes after him. That is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Again, this is not a statement to negate, uh, to negate or neglect the Godhead. But he was saying, you were baptized in Paul's baptism. Christ came so that you might have eternal life, so that you can be forgiven. He said, so therefore they said, well, we want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The authority of the Son. The authority of His sacrifice. I hope I'm making this clear and plain. I'm, I'm really trying to drive this point home to you. Again, how do we baptize? When you see us standing in that tank and you hear when we talk and testify and, and signify the symbolisms of baptism, when I get ready to submerge somebody under the water and I say, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we put them under. 
There have been times, there's men of God I know that they would say the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Just speaking of the authority of the name. One preacher said, he said, that way I've just got every basis covered. But this is, but in speaking of that, it is meaning in the authority of that name, right? And so in this, it says here, upon, the, upon, being, uh, uh, upon being baptized in Jesus' name, this is where we have found another divisive topic upon the subject of baptism. And uh, listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to make something abundantly clear. I am not just picking on the oneness doctrine okay it is very prevalent especially in our area and even amongst people who believe in the triune godhead and i'm saying this honestly and with as much candor as i can because they have come to me and said so what's the difference or why is this pushed so much and so i share with them why but i'm going to tell you there are other denominations the Catholic Church believes you should be baptized in their church. The Church of Christ believes you should be baptized in their church. There are some Baptist denominations that believe you should be baptized in their church. And that if those things are not done, and by the way, they baptize, then your baptism is null and void. Okay? So, what's the difference? Why do we teach this and why do we say this? Well, Sister Karen, because it's in the book. It's the word of God. And so it is our duty to rightly divide the word of truth. And so I want this to be clear and understand. So we've talked about Christ's example for baptism. Tonight, how do we baptize? These are the reasons why we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And then we're going to conclude on this subject. And what does baptism mean? Okay, and we're going to take a look at some of the meanings and symbolisms behind baptism. All right? Does anybody feel like a ball lost in the weeds? Or is everybody okay? All right. Amen. I know, I know that it's, it's a little bit different. I know that, but I'm telling you, if I've ever been challenged, if I've ever been challenged to teach some of these foundational truths, I have never felt more challenged to do so than I have been in these last several weeks. And so we need it. We need it. We need the discipling. We need the teaching. We need to know these things, okay? Because if you don't know, if you don't understand, you might fear it. Or if you don't know, then anybody can come along and tell you anything. And we think it sounds good. We think it seems right. It, maybe it comes from somebody, Brother Marvin, that we respect, somebody that we admire, whatever the case might be. And uh, anyway, it's important to know what God's word says. So let's stand together. And I appreciate your patience. Thank you for allowing Pastor just to uh, dive here into the word of God.